The Athletic. Tellez, oh, that's headed on towards Ronaldo. Ronaldo, Martial, Cavani. Oh, amazing! United have won it. It's Marcus Rashford in the final minute of stoppage time. Absolute bedlam at Old Trafford. Manchester United moving into the top four. This is Talk of the Devils, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Laurie Whitwell here inside Old Trafford. This place is still rocking, Laurie, isn't it? Well, the lawnmowers are certainly giving out a nice hum. You know, it might not be a crowd of fans, but no, it's still reverberating the kind of the noise that we heard at Old Trafford. Ralph Rennick called it the best atmosphere he's had at this stadium since he took charge. And it, well, it felt like a quite a special moment, actually. I know it's only a win over West Ham. You know, these things happen quite frequently. Top four rival, though. But this is it. Now that this is where Manchester United are at. Um, and I thought it was quite important for the connection between the players and the, and the fans. Because obviously we've seen reports, we've, you know, we've heard the grumblings from players, perhaps. And then also back from fans at the players saying, you know, stop grumbling, just get on with it. And I reckon if, if it had gone a different way today, it, you know, the atmosphere could have got a bit edgy, but actually it was a positive performance and a positive result. Yeah, just to put it into context, we're about, what, 45 minutes after the final whistle here at Old Trafford. Like Laurie says, you can hear the hum of the mowers. There's lots of people with forks <laughs> on the pitch just repairing it after the match against West Ham. Lots of people in high-vis jackets as well, picking up litter. There's a few lucky people behind us sipping some Madri lager, it looks like, Laurie. No amaretto, though. I know where, I need to, I'm going to tap on the window and tell them to get it sorted. Get it on the ice. Yeah, David Moyes is just about to hold his press conference as well. We've heard from Ralph Rangnick as well. It just felt like a, a huge win for Manchester United uh, and a great moment for Marcus Rashford as well, Laurie. Yeah, he's obviously had a, a difficult time, I think it's fair to say, um, this season since he's come back from injury and been out of the team. And obviously, his two goals that he scored in two games now have both come from the bench. And that was something that Rangnick said afterwards that the challenge now for him is to you know, become that starting player. But he's looked bright, he's, he's looked energetic. He, he charged, um, you know, a clearance down today when he first came on against West Ham and he was in the right place, wasn't he? That, that run to the far post is what, you know, we've been crying out for. And the passing move was really slick. But yeah, ultimately, I think Marcus Rashford, and that's his fourth injury time winner for United. Uh, and I asked Opsa afterwards, I was like, trying to think, which ones were they? Can anyone, can you think of him? There's one last season that I thought of, which was Wolves. Away at Bournemouth, was away there, a few Bo- years ago? Away at Bournemouth, yeah, excellent. I can't think of the other one. What's the other one? Hull in 2016, apparently. And I can't oh, we all remember that. <laughs> was it right at the start of the season? <laughs> I, I've literally no idea. Oh, me neither. <laughs> I was just saying something that made me think, that might make you think that I knew what I was talking about. Um, we're going to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo later on because there's lots and lots on The Athletic at the minute. A big read on him and about how maybe the start here for him after his return is not exactly gone to plan. You, of course contributed to that along with Adam Craft and, and others so we'll speak about that later on in the podcast we'll also have Rasheen uh, on who's the West Ham correspondent for West Ham as well on the Athletic I don't think we'll rub it in too much with Rasheen Thomas will we? No I, I do want to ask him what the situation is Declan Rice I think he had another good game than he for West Ham although overall United controlled it West Ham had a couple of chances that that one from Sutrip from the corner but ultimately it was United that were edging it and they were the better team creating more so I think, you know, it was a well-deserved victory in the end, albeit a slender one. Before we go any further, though, let's hear from Manchester United's match winner, Marcus Rashford. I interviewed him just after the match and he was still out of breath. 
no, it's they're, they're the best best games to to be involved in, and and when you're on the winning side of it, it's it's a great feeling. Um, nothing really really beats it in football. So very happy today, and um, a very big game against opposition at the moment. A, a very tight with us, so it's important that, that we got the win today. Yeah, how much did your team need that goal? Considering, like you say, two sides battling for the top four this season. Yeah. Um, you know, you might not see it now, but come the end of the season, it can be three points, four points that are the difference between being in and out of the top four. So, um, you know, pleased that we managed to get the, the three today. Um, and we have to use it now as motivation. Um, two, two good games, two wins. Um, and you count three good games if you include Villa, but we didn't get over the line in, in that one. Um, so we've got two wins to, to use as motivation now to keep, keep moving forward. Great to see Marcus with a smile on his face. He, as he stood to start that interview, he's literally wiping the sweat off his head. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That you did right there. He's literally come off. You know, the adrenaline must still be pumping, and then he's got to you know answer your questions, which were very good questions, Ian. I have to say. Thank you, Laurie. Uh, and he gave a. I mean, yeah, your first you know point was have you calmed down yet? You know, the, the heart racing. Um, but he actually gave quite a long answer. I thought, which I don't know if that's an indication that he, he, want, he you know he wants to engage with the fans to make sure that everyone knows that he's you know fully committed and enjoying his football. Um, but also, I think you know it was it's you know, a sign of it, the intelligence that he's got. Um, but no, yeah, how, how did you find him? Yeah, I mean it, that's the best time to interview someone, really. No matter what team they play for, as a pitch side reporter coming off the pitch after scoring a stoppage time winner, especially at home as well with the atmosphere around the stadium, it doesn't really get any better than that. I probably shouldn't say it on this podcast, but I interviewed Raheem Sterling in a similar circumstance a couple of years ago when he scored a 97th minute winner. The city, and once I'd got over the initial disappointment of that going in professionally, um, he, he was out of breath. He couldn't even speak. He was still sort of celebrating the goal. Uh, and as I'm saying that, we're joined by Rashane now. Rashane, thank you for coming up to speak to us. Laurie and I have promised that we won't rub it in too much. Um, what did you think? I thought it felt like a missed opportunity for West Ham because created a few chances, especially Ronaldo being offside more than on one occasion. It just felt like a, a game where West Ham could just. A bit more clinical in the final third to get that scratch, that 1 0 win. And we've seen in recent weeks, West Ham struggled to have players have an influence off the bench. So Fredericks came on, saw that fault for the winning goal, of course. And for whatever reason, West Ham just struggled to have players who can have an impact off the bench. But I think that's been the story for West Ham's season so far. This has been great. Challenge for top four, but just like the depth right now to have that next step. It's always going to make a ripple around here when David Moyes returns to Old Trafford. Incredible that he was sacked nearly eight years ago from this job, which just seems unbelievable, really, and considering everything that's happened since. He's been here now 15 times as a Premier League manager for the opposition and not won at Old Trafford. He did win in the Carabao Cup, of course, earlier on this season. But given West Ham's performance today, do you think they could have done more? Did they do enough to win that match? Do you think there's a little bit inside his head that he still sort of feels a bit funny coming back here? Well, that's a great start, which I can use for my piece. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for that start. Yeah, I do, because... Um, it's just, like, for example, Antonio, he's not a striker. Like, he's not a striker. He can do the job, but he's not a striker. And West Ham just don't have that personnel right now that can just have that conviction in front of goal. And we still, again, today, Declan Rice being the best player for West Ham. And that's been the story in recent weeks, being West Ham's best player. But we need Joe for Joe, Joe Boring, rather, for example, to step up and do good. Or, or for now, who had a poor game, in my opinion. I think that's been the story for West Ham's season, just struggling for others to step up. So, while West Ham played well, just don't have that cutting edge at the minute to come to an old traffic and I win convincingly. You got a question for him? Yeah, I just wanted to ask about Declan Rice. <laughs> you mentioned him there. He had a good game. I thought United were the better team 
overall and, and, and therefore, you know, perhaps Rice didn't shine as bright as he, he can do, but he still did really smart things. What is the situation in the summer, O'Shane? I know you must get asked this all the time. I have to do a sing-along, Rice, Rice, baby. <laughs> I have to do it, I have to do it. Well, look, finishing fourth is a priority for West Ham. If I were to finish fourth, then it's going to be hard to keep hold of Declan Rice. The one thing that's preventing clubs right now from making a bid is the 100 million valuation. That's what David Moyes and the hierarchy of the club, that's what they value Declan Rice as. I received defensive midfielders, they don't really go for 100 million. Maybe 60 to 70, but not 100. So I think also with Rice's contract expired in the summer of 2024 with the one year option, one could argue West Ham hold all the cards, but Rice won't say it publicly, but he'll be, he was shaking his head when he walked off the pitch. He wants to be winning these sort of games. So, listen, if West Ham don't get top four, I think it could be hard to keep hold of Declan Rice. And also other players like Bajaya Bono for now, so it's going to be a big song for West Ham if they don't get top four. How do you think he'd fit into Manchester United's team if they were to stump up the 100 million? Listen, taking my West Ham hat off, I think he'll be great alongside Scott, Scott McTominay. I think both of them will be so good. I think the one player under Ralph I can't pronounce his last name. What's his last name? Ralph Ranyek. Ranyek. Sorry, listeners. Ralph Ranyek. You should have been listening to Talk of the Devils the other week. We had Andy Mitten had his German friend on, or German-speaking friend, who gave us the exact pronunciation of Ralph Rangnick, and then we all sort of tried to do it. So, But yeah, Scott McTominay is the one player, I think, taking his game to that different level on the, on the Rangnick. It's been really good. And I think him... Rangnick. Rangnick. Sorry, listeners, again. Rangnick. I think he, alongside uh, Declan Rice, would be great midfield partnership. I really do, so... I think he'll compliment him as field. We saw a few times, you know, Fred make uh, offensive runs, but with Rice, he'll keep going. He'll keep, he'll provide an assist for Ronaldo or Cavani or Rashford. That's what Rice has in the game, so I think he'll be a great player for Man United. But hopefully, he's like West Ham. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm sure that all the West Ham fans feel like that as well. Let's talk about Jesse Lingard just finally with you, Rashane, if that's okay. Um, I thought it was quite interesting before the game in the warm up, he was having a, a laugh and a joke with some of the players, including Mark Noble. He went out at one point to warm up just in front of me where I was pitch side and I don't know who it was from the West Ham bench but someone threw their chewing gum at him as he ran past as well. Uh, he's clearly still very popular ar around the club. There's lots of rumours about Newcastle trying to do what they can to take him up to the northeast. but do you still feel like he may end up in East London in the summer once his contract expires? Yeah, in the summer for sure. In terms of January, very, very extremely unlikely. And I, I have to correct you, it's actually Jay Ling's. That's the correct, that's the correct way to announce Jesse Lingard, Jay Ling's. I need to give Mark Noble and the players a £5 for that tapping up they're doing on the pitch as well. <laughs> that was hilarious. But in terms of the summer, provided he doesn't sign a contract, of course, yeah, it'll be a great time back at West Ham. We saw just how brilliant he was. He got back in the England squad on that form as well. And he had a nice little bet of Mark Noble. If he got eight goals, Mark Noble paid for like a nice posh hotel in London, which obviously he did in the end. So it just showed the camaraderie you had this group of players. But listen, Tottenham will be involved. I imagine clubs from abroad will be involved for Lingard. So we'll have a number of suitors. But hopefully he comes back to... Come back home. That's what a lot of West Ham fans say. Come back home. So hopefully that happens. Really, Rashane. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast on Talk of the Devils. Great to have him here, wasn't it? Lovely of him to do that for us. Um, especially when the result had, had gone the way it had in, in those last moments. Let's talk about Ralph Rangnick then. You've just uh, been in his press conference, Laurie. Uh, let's hear a little bit from the Manchester United manager first. His first experience of a stoppage time winner here at Old Trafford. I don't know how long Fergie time was. Was that the last five minutes or how long was that? 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, if that happened. But uh, again, uh, of course, we uh, also would like to have more games like Brentford at the end when we were 3-0 up. Um, but if you score in the last second of the game, the, the, the big advantage is that there is no time for the other team to reply. And that was the good one about today's goal. To say I was convinced that we would score that goal in the last second of the game would be unrealistic. But I think we pushed hard. We tried everything. We took all the risks in the world to, to, to win that game. And uh, if I look at the shots on goal and the chances during the game, I think we deserved that 1-0 win. For me, it was clear from the very beginning that it will take some patience to play a, a well-organized team like West Ham. It was not always easy for us to find the best possible solutions in the final third. But uh, defensively, I think it was probably the best performance in the last uh, eight weeks, uh, the way that we were always trying to win balls back, our counter-pressing. The physicality of the game was really outstanding. And we know that we still have to improve in possession of the ball. Well, Ralph clearly enjoyed that nearly as much as we did, Laurie. Yeah, he was. He, you could see. I mean, when the goal went in, you know, he's buzzing. You could see the, the arms flailing, and you know, on the touchline, it's always good. I think as a scene to have a guy that's there on the edge of the touchline, and he's been present on on the touchline, sort of in the last four games, really. That he's been that kind of guy there as, as, as the lighthouse, I suppose, um, which I think is is, is interesting to know. Uh, and yeah, I think the way he speaks, you can tell. It, it's, it, I think he's taken a pragmatic approach to managing Manchester United when he's he's looked at you know the, the players that perhaps want to leave and also. Um, the, the fact that you, you know the United can't really sign anyone this month or aren't aren't looking to, I think he's realised that okay, I'm just going to have to take it game by game, different you know personnel perhaps or, or different approach to to each one, um, but I'm not going to shun you know Anthony Marshall who was obviously out of the team, um, and you know, there was that uh, sort of I suppose miscommunication whatever it was about whether he was available to play or not, um, but he's, he was in the squad the last two times he's come on off the bench and he's contributed you know, to the winning goal so. I think that just shows that Ranić isn't going to be jettisoning anybody um, if it means that he can actually get results. A few boos, wasn't there? It was that I, I detected that. I wondered if that was just me or. But I, I wonder if. It were was, you booing, were you? I was not. I'm a <laughs> professional uh, impartisan uh, observer. Um, but he. Uh, but yeah, there was. I think it was also sort of a bit of Greenwood coming off uh, for Marshall going on. You know, it, it, again, it's, Greenwood seems to be the easier option. And I can understand, listen, he's not necessarily... And Ronaldo's played a part in the winning goal, but it wasn't going to be Ronaldo coming off, was it? So I think maybe that's what was a little bit at play with, with some of the boos. But yeah, it, it clearly it was the Marshall situation. But listen, if he, if he keeps doing it like that, then you know he's going to make himself more attractive to these teams that he wants to go and depart for. So let's see. Progressive changes from Rangnick as well, weren't they? In terms of taking Fred off. I, I was sort of wondering whether he was going to take... Cristiano Ronaldo off again. I was looking forward to the uh, <laughs> the <laughs> little moment when he came off the pitch. Yeah, but to take Fred off, um, to make those attacking changes, and then to see those three players who he brought on combine for the winning goal with Ronaldo. I mean, that's far better, isn't it? Considering how much we've spoken about players not really sort of linking up and not exactly gelling in those attacking positions. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think credit to him for those substitutions. Maybe the last two came slightly later, but equally he was, he was switching it to a 4-2-4 rather than you know, so giving up a play midfield. And West Ham perhaps looked a bit more threatening in that final bit, but equally clearly made United more threatening themselves. And that's, you know, that was the risk and reward that he decided to go with. And yeah, those, you know, Rashford, Marshall, Ronaldo and, and Cavani is a full four. Not too bad, is it? And they did, you know, they know what they're doing when they get in those tight areas. I wish United had done that a bit more frequently before that point. Uh, there was lots of shots and Randwick mentioned this after the game. 
from sort of random, you know, Telles and Dalot and, and, and Bruno from, from sort of random areas that just weren't going to go in. And that kind of speaks to a little bit of a theme, maybe. You asked him about it as well, didn't you? Yeah, he, he gave me gave me the perfect answer for my piece. So there we go. Read it on the Athletic uh, once this podcast up. But um, he, he agreed, and he, you know, he, he wants. And that's what you think he think he understood. He wasn't getting carried away. It was great atmosphere and emotion, but it wasn't necessarily the, the full performance. It was control. But he said, you know, that in the final third, creating on the ball, it wasn't as good as what he would like. Before Rashford's goal, Laurie, there was probably a highlight of the day for me and it had nothing to do with what was happening on the football pitch because I'm sure listeners to the podcast will have seen Andy Mitten singing now uh, and heard him of course on the last podcast too. Uh, Rhythm is a dancer, Anthony Alanga, I'm not going to do it because I can't, I can't do it as well as Andy but the Red Army can do it. They were really giving it a go in the second half. Listen to this. So I text Andy uh, and said, you're not going to believe this, mate, but they're actually singing your song. It's not technically his song, but it's sort of become his song, hasn't it, by proxy of the fact that his face bouncing up and down in his yellow jumper on Twitter has gone everywhere. Thousands and thousands of people have seen it. Uh, people were talking to me about it as well before the game. Um, what a moment that was to hear that. Yeah, it was nice. And didn't you, haven't we found out that Alanga knows about it as well? He's, he's, he's seen it, so he's happy with it. He's given it the thumbs up. So hopefully. He has, yeah. So it sounded good. There was one bit, wasn't it? The hide bit, which <laughs> that it went a lot quieter. You can that. feel it, yeah. That bit, yeah. <laughs> Go on. Oh dear. You've, you've just done it. There we go. Cut that out, please. <laughs> uh, so, but you, so you can tell that maybe in time people might need to train their vocal cords for that one. But it was it was fun, wasn't it? You know, half time, and they they went with it as well. It sort of it, there was a chance just after that, so it kind of you know died away quite quickly. And I thought, oh, maybe that's it. But they came back with it and you know singing it for a good couple of minutes, I think. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes and ears out for that in the weeks to come, certainly. And if Anthony Alanga can keep having an impact on the pitch, then maybe Andy Mitten will get that record deal after all. Okay, Laurie, yeah, we said we'd talk about Cristiano Ronaldo as well, didn't we? There's a big piece on The Athletic at the minute. A long read, is that how we refer to it? A deep dive. A deep dive into Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United. Uh, the title is Cristiano Ronaldo and the Manchester United return that hasn't gone to plan. He huffed and puffed in this game. I thought it was quite encouraging, actually, to see him sort of driving the team on later on, dropping deep, trying to make things happen. There's lots and lots of detail in that piece about the start to life here, the way he's sort of linked up with his teammates, the way he's been around the club and all that sort of thing. But certainly out there today, Laurie, that was um, that was more like it from Ronaldo. It was a, a long way away from those sort of, should we call it a tantrum at Brentford? I think it's fair to call it a tantrum. I, I would, you know, I would accept that as a tantrum if I'd done it. Yeah, <laughs> for a strop. I've, I've you ever done that? Strop. I've thrown pl- plenty of strops. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was certainly a nice change from the last time we saw uh, Ronaldo on a pitch for Manchester United where he was getting heckled by a Brentford fan that was very close to us I, I forgot to say this on the last podcast he kept calling him a crybaby and you finished Ronaldo shouting it he must have been able to hear it because you know it was right by us I could hear it so um, yeah so it was a nice change and he stayed out on the pitch didn't he after the final whistle that's been something that people have noted you know kind of rushing off it would have looked weird I think if he'd rushed off after a last minute winner but equally he looked connected you know he was 
certainly involved. There was there was passage, wasn't there? And this is perhaps one thing that we would touch on in the piece in terms of how, how his role is. Clearly, he scored really important goals, but linking up with his, his teammates and then also how people feel around him. You know, is he you know um, sort of perhaps a, a little bit um, scary to approach for some players? Um, does you know do you have valid opinions in that some of the younger players might not listen like they used to? And I think you could see that in, in moments on the pitch, you know, where he sort of wanted it a different way. Um, but overall, I think he, he kept going, didn't he? And, you know, he, he clearly you know, played the full game again. You know, his athleticism in that regard is, is quite astounding, really. And it is funny, um, you know, got a lot, it gets a lot of um, views whenever you do something on Ronaldo. And that, and that headline, I suppose, is a, a negative connotation. It is really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, considering there have been some positive moments. But that sort of sums it up, really. It's... Everyone seems to be polarising their opinion on Ronaldo. They're either pro-Ronaldo or anti-Ronaldo. There doesn't seem to be much middle ground, does there? Yeah, and that's what you see from the comments. So, you know, for even sort of doubting Ronaldo, you know, we, we perhaps get accused of, of, of taking the totally wrong narrative. And I can see, you know, why people would be so, um, you know, I mean, he's one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. So, you know, he's, he's earned that reputation. But I think, you know, clearly there is a, a grey area here where you can acknowledge that he scored some great goals for Manchester United, but equally... Does he produce the best from absolutely everybody else? And I think it hasn't gone to plan in the sense that when he was signed, it, we you know we felt perhaps it was going to be the final piece in a jigsaw that was going to be a title challenging situation. I so. have to say the intro to that piece really pulls at the heartstrings, <laughs> doesn't it? It sets up this sort of like mood that was around Old Trafford back in September when Ronaldo scored those two goals. Ferguson was smiling in the director's box. Everyone it seemed was tweeting positive things or posting positive things on Instagram. Manchester United were in a title race. Even Roy Keane was happy, it seemed. He was getting nostalgic, posting an old picture with a young Cristiano Ronaldo, and then it sort of kills it by saying, but Manchester United are seventh. Well, they're not seventh anymore, actually, are they? That's a good point. So that's lifted a little bit. That's a beautiful segue. Um, yeah, fourth. And I think that's why it was celebrated with such gusto, because it takes United above West Ham into that top four, which, listen, isn't a trophy, but it's nice to be in the Champions League. And clearly Tottenham have got games in hand. But, you know, you look at Chelsea and we said, didn't we, that they're sort of on the slide. And I think as we're recording this, um, Southampton are beating Man City. They, they certainly took the lead. So, that you know, that could be back in the title race for Manchester United. You know, let's not... sort of hear like faint sort of cheers, can't you, in the distance from United fans celebrating Southampton's goal a few moments ago. But that was a joke, by the, by the way, about the title race, just in case. Sorry, I missed that. I talked <laughs> over you. Go on, repeat the joke. <laughs> it wasn't a funny joke. So let's let's leave it there. Um, one thing actually that the piece does pick out, which I thought was interesting, it looked at how many goals other attackers had scored for United on the pitch with Ronaldo. So before today, Jaden Sancho had got one, Greenwood, Fernandez, Rashford and Cavani had all got two. Well, Rashford's now got three. And like I say, the, the idea that the attacking players were linking up for that goal and Ronaldo was involved in the build-up, not on the end of the chance, that's more encouraging, isn't it? I think generally all around, there was signs in that game again that... Ralph Rangnick is beginning to get his players to do what he wants them to do. It, you know, this training of the brain seems to be having some effect. I, I'm sort of undoing the point as I'm talking. I'm looking at you. You're nodding at <laughs> I'm me. Coming. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm okay. waiting for the pass, here, Ian. Don't don't dribble with the ball too much. <laughs> I'm open. Use me. I'm fresh. Is it better? Um, I think it's better. I think it looks like certainly Brentford are now, are now against West Ham. It looks like they know what they're doing. See you, Shane. Because where Shane's off. Um, I like how he answered my question about Declan Rice fully and, and, and firmly. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you can see now with Man United, there's an idea. Players know where to move when you know, the, the, the teammate is is in a different position. With, with Ronaldo, you know, you might want to say to him, just stay in the box, just go and get on the end of things. But he wants to be you know, in the build-up, so you can tell. 
and it's frustrating me. Certainly at Brentford, it did where you kind of passed the ball backwards without sort of looking what was behind him. And I said, "Who am I to say how to play the game to Ronaldo?" But tonight, um, it seemed that he would get the ball and on the turn and, and run at West Ham a couple of times that, that gave United momentum. So that that felt more um, sort of reassuring, I suppose. But yeah, it'll be sort of the, the long running, you know, sort of debating point, I suppose, until you know, listen. Once it comes back to Champions League, you know, we're getting close to that, aren't we? Atletico Madrid, 23rd of Feb. That's where he seems to have been you know, at his absolute fierce best for United so far. So, listen, maybe that's what the focus should be for the rest of the season. And, of course, now there is the break for United. Another opportunity for, for Rangnick to try and get some of his ideas across, more of his ideas across on the training ground. This is the first sort of period he's had without matches to do that as well. So, it'll be interesting to see what impact there is on the team moving forward, considering obviously he's, he's already had a, a month or so in the job. Manchester United, as it stands, as we speak here now, are in the top four. And that was a great moment to sign off on this winter break, wasn't it? If it had been nil-nil, like you were saying before, the sort of feeling would have been completely different. Yeah, for sure. Um, come back, you know, Middlesbrough in the FA Cup, and you, you hope you look at the fixtures again, there's still a chance for a few more wins yet. So, Good, good way to sign off. They've got a, a bit of time away, haven't they? Um, and then they'll be back. And, and yeah, I agree with what you're saying about you can see the little indications. Greenwood a couple of times today absolutely threw himself at the goalkeeper. Rashford obviously when he came on charged down a uh, clearance straight away. So you could see those moments where they were you know getting into the final third and just just making it nasty for, for West Ham. It's not spectacular. It's not like it's a, a complete transformation or anything like that. We're not getting carried away in any sense, but. There's just beginning to be the sort of glimmer of signs that things are changing a little bit. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do like, I mean, this 4-3-3, it seems such a minor thing from a 4-2-3-1, but I do think that Bruno Fernandes works, and, you know, with, with Scott Matton, he's, he's done well in that middle sort of holding role. He has got a forward a bit, but he, he, you can tell that he's been much more disciplined, allowing Fred to kind of go and destroy, and then Bruno to kind of try and do his, his creation. He had a couple of really nice passes today, I thought, Bruno. A couple of shanks, um, which is what you're going to get, but... I feel like in this role, you know, he's defending as well. He's all he's that, that all action that he brought in the number 10 where he would kind of press a bit too high sometimes. Actually, in number eight, it means he can drop back into defence. There's a great moment where he, he was shielding the ball for a United goal kick and he's like calling Diogo Dalla over to give him a bit of a hand and the, you know, the Portuguese wall sorts itself out and it rolls off. And it's just quite, you know, those kind of moments, that little details where he's putting an effort in. And so I think he's, he's, he's really picked up the last three games. Before we sign off, just a word on Harry Maguire, if we can. It was a Manchester United captain's first start uh, since the end of December, I think. And he sort of did a Phil Jones, really, didn't he? He was throwing himself into challenges. It wasn't exactly sort of Harry Maldini, was it, getting his shorts dirty? But it sort of got a response from the crowd, and it was more like it from him after what's been a sort of tricky few months, really, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely did. Those moments where, you know, he makes that first tackle and you can tell the Old Trafford crowd are sort of going, hey, hey go on, it's sort of like that sympathetic almost support. But he, and but that was good to see because it clearly, you'd feel like his confidence has been knocked a bit. And actually today was, was a day where he went, no, I am an international defender, Harry Maguire, Manchester United captain. I'm going to show my authority here. There was a couple of moments, I mean, he headed one uh, when Ronaldo thought he should have chested it down and, and threaded a pass through to him, I think, where, where he'd actually... Just went straight and attacked it, um, but but in the main, I think he, he did well with the ball. You know, he, he drove forward with it occasionally as well, um, and it was a really good, solid return. He, he put in some good tackles, and there's one on on Jared Bowen as well that I think was really well timed. So, and that's the kind of thing that you want to see from Harry Maguire. Yeah, I'm just sort of going through my notebook here for a, a stat that I had this week. So Manchester United, that's only the fourth clean sheet that Manchester United have kept in the Premier League. Over the last calendar year, the last 12 months, 21 matches now in total, four clean sheets. Uh, and one of the other ones actually was against West Ham 
uh, back in March, a 1-0 win. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Just how we like it. United, you know, unpredictable, uh, you know, uh, not really sure what we're going to get from them each week. But yeah, at least that's reassuring in some way. Excellent. Well, before we get thrown out of Old Trafford, I think we better sign off from Talk of the Devils on this podcast. But before we go, just a reminder, you can get a 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. And of course, The Athletic are also recording daily transfer shows, bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals done during the January transfer window. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on The Athletic app or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Start your free trial today. I've enjoyed doing this in person again, Laurie. Have you? I love seeing your face, Ian. So, yeah, let's let's hope we can do a few more. I just miss Andy Mitten. But what I'm going to do for you, Andy, because I know you'll be listening to this and I know you'll be smiling, we're going to sign off with the Red Army singing Rhythm is a Dancer, Anthony Alanga. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Athletic.